one of the, one of these days I'm going to leave all of the throat clearing and <laughs> why not just do it now? Right. <laughs> all right. Welcome to the Geekstrom podcast, a uh, podcast that's apparently huge in Germany. Uh, hey. Ne- never would have guessed. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're uh, surprise, surprise, going to be talking mostly, almost entirely about Game of Thrones again today. Why? And did did something me, else come out this week? Yeah, I think there was another episode. It was like longer or something. No, uh, I feel like there was like, I don't know, people are like waiting for a movie. Oh yeah, yeah I don't the whole the whole Titanic. Marvel thing. I think it was. Uh, I think they did a sequel to the Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. Oh okay. Um, yeah. Which I was I was pretty shocked by. I didn't think that there was a market for that at all. But yeah. Um, but yeah, with that that voice as always is uh, Anthony. Hello, it is. And uh, yeah, I guess real quick we can do a little stinger on this because I'm hoping to at some point. Uh, get someone else to actually show up on this podcast <laughs> we uh, have I no like... friends so right, if you exactly. want to join us yes please so something to get a an actual avengers podcast on but uh do you have any uh, quick thoughts on that before we dive into uh season eight episode three Wait, game of thrones like, the long night thoughts on not having friends or the avengers <laughs> the avengers oh um so it was just a, it was a great group of friends and it's it's really it's really nice to see that they're able to keep in touch with each other and actually meet up for regular events. Yeah. Um, I was a little let down by Endgame. I think it could have been an hour shorter. I really enjoyed oh. it. I really loved mm-hmm. it. I loved Infinity War more. So, yeah, I'm one of those people. I prefer my sad huh? endings, which we'll talk about here. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, the events are not... So that's definitely not a a take that i had heard yet so i'm very excited to get into that uh, at a later date uh that that it should have been shorter (laughs) yeah when when we have like four more hours and maybe a couple more friends right right uh i thought i enjoyed it uh i got to see it uh thursday night opening uh with my roommates and everything and it was uh quite an experience um definitely got misty-eyed but at like the father-daughter stuff which i wasn't expecting to be as a parent but you know basically since the lion king anytime there is a parent child situation going on it uh sends me uh, deep into tears um i thought that you know the last 40 45 minute action sequence was well deserved and kind of did a surprisingly good job of showing all of the individual characters yeah. kind of doing their thing especially considering that it showed spider-man to be super cool but also a huge wuss that needs to be saved by awesome ladies all the time which yeah I was but i mean extremely there okay, for yeah so i i did get a little uh a little teary-eyed when uh i we can't spoil anything because we don't do that here but right um, you know the like near the end when mm-hmm. one of the people is dying spoiler right. alert someone dies um, I was like, oh man, this is, uh, this is tough. Yeah, it, it definitely got, uh, it got a little dusty in the <laughs> theater at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, definitely be getting into that at another day. Uh, spoiler heavy. Um, at this point, we just want to, you know, I, I would assume that if people had a choice between making sure that they saw the Game of Thrones, uh, you know, previously described Battle for Winterfell, uh, now referred to as a long night uh or getting to see endgame 
in the opening week weekend they would probably go for game of thrones because that's why you're here listening to this right exactly because you care about game of thrones stuff so we're going to hop right in and uh one of the things that uh i wanted to pick your brain on um less from like a story standpoint and more from like a show running standpoint is uh we we get the kind of you know establishing shots of the armies the formations we see kind of like uh, hero shots for almost every single person void of any kind of real dialogue or anything it's definitely a lot of flexing on how the set design is was going and then uh you know there is a, a lone writer out of the gloom yeah. and uh who is it but our are and especially Anthony's favorite favorite red priestess, uh, Melisandre, uh, kind of comes ambling up and speaks to our good friend Jorah, um, who I was actually kind of and remind me if I'm forgetting this, but like, did they ever meet before? When did they meet before? Um, I think. Oh my God! You know what I think i'm forgetting i feel like they met in season seven like when in or did they meet in essos i think they when met they were still in marine oh maybe yeah um no in marine that was uh kinvara oh you're right the you're other, right the other red priestess who i thought would show up but i was wrong but um... well did you kind of did you kind of think slash hope that maybe like a more than just one red priestess priest was going to show up and kind of bolster oh, the forces yeah like i i thought like there would be an army because um i mean book book canon they have like a whole bunch of uh people worshiping the lord of light in essos and there's a whole thing about how uh they have an army and i was like oh well maybe we'll see this army um, right and then, and then when we, you saw melisandre kind of come through the fog is like ooh, maybe yeah they were gonna get a whole bunch of them i thought it was weird how like she came in through the darkness and i was like uh-oh mm-hmm. i was like what is my bae doing <laughs> <laughs> but i i do want to give uh before like any of that happened i, I wanted to point out because it just kind of clicked in my head uh the deep like bass like in the music and the silence of everything uh in the first like 10 minutes and, like, you, you had pointed out how, um, like, you kind of saw, like, everyone doing their thing. And it really reminded me of uh, the episode where uh, Cersei goes on trial and they play The Light of the Seven. Right. And they're, they're showing everyone, like, and it looks like they're getting ready for a funeral. And they mm-hmm. are. But, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, they just didn't but, know yeah, it at the time. And, like, they had that, like, it was, like, music that you don't hear on Game of Thrones. And they had that playing right. Well, everyone was just kind of like gearing up and doing their thing, and um, I, I really liked that. And then I think the the silence just kind of. I was watching it with a group of people, and and we were all just like, "Fuck, what is gonna happen?" Right. Yeah, th- there's definitely, um, and it, it definitely ratchets up more towards the end. But this, they they really did a good job of establishing like this sense of dread and doom and there's there's part of that that's been essentially built up you know if you want to get really deep into it since the very first scene of the first episode of the show 
I mean, this is the culmination of all of that. Like the before we met any of the Starks, before we met any of the Lannisters or anything like that, we had a ranging party that was north of the Wall uh, that ran into a White Walker, and then you know, then everything else happened. And basically, since then, it's been slow, but it's been ever present. And you know, we've got bits and pieces of it. There's definitely been uh, it's kind of sped up in the two previous seasons and everything like that, but. You got Hard Home, you got the Fist of the First Man, you have all these different situations where you're getting, you're seeing the destructive power of these things. And then we all knew coming into this season that this was, you know, the the show, the episode that what was filmed for like 55 days and was the most expensive and, you know, like had a longer battle, battle sequence than Helm's Deep and it was all built up. But ultimately it was still, you know, the fight between the living and the dead and everyone had the feeling that there was going to be a lot of people, a lot of like first tier characters dying. And <laughs> yeah, how'd, the, that, how'd that work out? By the way? <laughs> right. And then the first ten minutes of that just kind of went like it was. It was almost like teasing. It's just like it's coming, but we're not going to just dump you right into it. We gotta. We still have to build up this tension more. Yeah, and I'm I'm really uh, glad they did that because um, yeah, like I think we were all waiting for like we were just gonna like hit the ground running and it, it really built up like that and it reminded me of helm's deep and it built up that moment where like everyone's like all right <laughs> this is it like right let's get ready and um like they even had like everyone standing on the battlements like like mm-hmm. looking over like oh shit but the difference between helm's deep and from which is from lord of the rings if you're not familiar <laughs> um which you should be but the difference between that and um, what we saw at Winterfell was we didn't see shit in Winterfell. <laughs> in in Helm's Deep, like they kind of knew they were fucked because they were like, "Oh, there's ten million orcs, like they're there." Um, they saw like the siege, what like they saw everything, but in this, we just saw black, shadowy monster, nothing. Just it was right. a void, and that's what makes it so terrifying. Right. And so, uh, Elsandra, uh, you know, gets in and does her fire magic flex and, uh, lights all of the, ooh, man. The Arax. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, there Eric, we go. Um, all, all on fire, uh, which is uh, dope. Yeah, dope and, um, apparently the only thing you have to do to do that is say a couple of magic words in Valerian. I thought there was, like a spell or like you needed blood but i guess all you have to do is just be like hey here's the password and there they go right whatever there's definitely something to be said about her maybe using up the last of her you know inbound magic um especially considering the the very last scene of this episode um oh when she takes her like bra off and (laughs) Fates, right, right. <laughs> but, finally, um, f- could finally rest. Well, um, no, I mean it. It makes sense, like um, even from like a book standpoint too, because her power, it, like she talks, she's got one point of view chapter in the whole series, and she talks about how like she uses a lot of powders and tricks and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, she's a fraud, but she does have mm-hmm. real power, and she says how it grows when she's at the wall 
So now that they're not at the wall and now that the White Walkers are here, um, like it makes sense that she would be more powerful too to kind of balance things out. And right. I am so glad my baby balanced it out. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, so all of the Dothraki have flaming swords and they fly out on their horses into the night uh, led by Jorah Mormont and, and our sweet, our sweet baby, <laughs> baby ghost, sweet baby ghost, protect ghost. Um, and they ride into the darkness and then we kind of don't see them. Yeah. And we, that was, horrifying. we see like a really cool shot that ultimately could have been, you know, uh, like B-roll of someone filming fireflies out their front porch. Um, but it gives a really, you know, just kind of helps to build that foreboding. Um, but the question that I have for you um, from like a show running standpoint is a lot of the first two episodes have been essentially kind of building up a, a tension between John and Danny specifically, uh, who up to this point most people would think are kind of the people that are vying for the throne um and you know danny comes in with the greatest army that the world's ever seen or you know some people called it that who you know who really cares ultimately but she's got her unsullied she's got her dothraki she's got her dragons and then in about what essentially in showtime is about maybe two and a half minutes uh, at least all of the Dothraki that we saw are all gone. Yeah, and um, holy shit. Uh, because, right. well, like, I mean, it should have been, I feel like we should have been more afraid that the Dothraki died. Because, right. like, I've been seeing a lot of hot takes on this because they're like, oh, you know, you're going to, you know, bring out all the, you know, uh, minorities and kill them off right away. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree with that. I'm like, all right, you know, they should be the people in Winterfell should be the ones really defending or more mm-hmm. eager to defend. But I mean, at the same time, the Dothraki, it's been established are a war, co- warlike culture. And I feel like they, they probably would have been insulted if they weren't at the, in the vanguard. Right. Um, from like a military standpoint, I don't know shit about the military, but I've watched <laughs> a lot of medieval movies so um i mean like i don't think it was a good strategy to just run out like that to something you don't know right and can't see yeah but um so do you think that that is the show's way of kind of hamstringing danny's specific army so that when it comes down to total men uh remaining to fight in what I sent I assume people have already started calling you know the next battle of the trident um but whatever you know war or battle takes place in between the remaining Lannister forces and the remaining uh forces from up north you know the John Danny hybrid army um so much so that you know you have basically the unsullied on Danny's side plus you know dragons yeah, and... wounded dragons. Though. Yes, they they yes. didn't get out of this unscathed. Right. Um, so I, I I just wonder if that was like maybe something that they did from a show standpoint to kind of a you know honestly make it make the odds stacked a little bit more in the Lannisters' favor for that kind of underdog North um, 
Northmen type, you know, play from whatever battle is to come, but also to kind of even the odds between the two opposing, not opposing, but the two rival forces uh, from this group of people that are going to be fighting the Lannisters. I wonder if that's just maybe something that they thought, here's an, here's an easy way to even the numbers out a little bit. Yeah, I mean... I feel like if, if they were going to do that, then, you know, I mean, that was the way to do it. If you want to kill off, like, the entire fucking army, um, what better way to do it than to have a beautiful shot of lights fading away like that, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, because if Danny had her full strength, there's no way she would have lost. Right. So... Because, like, even Jamie uh, and Bronn say, like, when the Dothraki charge in, I think, the Spoils of War, I think that was, like, episode four or right. six of last season. Um, loot train. Yeah, the, the loot train. The, yeah, uh, they, the they pretty heavy. much say, like, we can't fight these people. Right. They're the fucking best. They're incredible. We can't fight them. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having two wounded dragons, no Dothraki... Ah, uh, like you're. It's it's a gonna be a tough, uh, tough sell. Right. Um. So we got the we got that. I mean, then we have a essentially a counter charge, um, from the dead, and we see a lot of you know action happening. There's really the majority of this episode is a lot of shots of our main characters fighting, um, and. You know, I, I, it's interesting to kind of think about the longest episode in show history being so devoid of conversation, um, considering kind of where this fandom is and how it's been kind of generated through conversations between one and two people. You know, the pairings, people always talk about the pairings on this show, you know, like I want to see. Tyrion talk to Danny. I want to see Varys talk to Bronn. You know, like all people are always focused on conversation, and then you know you get an awesome set piece episode from time to time. But then this one, because even I think most people would say they would list Blackwater, Battle of Blackwater Bay, pretty high up on their series favorites as far as the episode is concerned. Yeah, I mean um, for good reason, but yeah, yeah. and. Even that episode with intense action and one of the coolest shots in the history of television, um, what made all of that so great is scenes like in the, well, I don't know if they were in a brothel or a bar specifically, but when the when the Hound and Braun are kind of having their dick measuring contest, um, that building tension before you hear those bells, right? Literally when Braun has his hand on his knife, about to, you know, basically take the hound out or however that would have ended yeah. up. You know, that was cool. And Tyrion having his, you know, his speech, you know, there's brave men trying to take your city. Let's go kill them. You know, those moments built up an episode into something even greater than itself. This is going to, you know, I think I saw something today about it being the ratings high mark in the entire series. And I know that it had a lot building up to it, but considering that it's like the most watched episode of the entire show and having all of the characters, most, if not all of the characters you could ever want in one place 
very little talking. Uh, and also it seemed like very little planning, uh, especially yeah, on but, I mean, on John and Danny's behalf. So I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the battle planning from our two dragon riders. All right. Well, um, actually, though, before I do that, uh, I do I want to jump back to how like there because there are comparisons to Blackwater we can make mm -hmm. in that another huge important aspect of Blackwater. Um, from a show watcher perspective, not so much from us, you know, nerdy book people, because <laughs> right. we know what happens, but like, was, um, Sansa and, uh, Cersei, like, Lena Headey just getting drunk and being like, you're going to right. get raped and defiled, give right. me more wine, but like, that like, and then she's sitting on the throne ready to poison herself, like, as they're throwing it, the doors are getting beaten down and like all of that tension, and you see, like, another battle of sorts like that being fought in the crypts where right. they're just waiting to, you know, die pretty much. And um, I think Sansa, who, by the way, everyone's always like, oh, she's like a, a queen, blah, blah, which I agree. You know, she's a great leader, but mm -hmm. she, she fucked up down there by just saying, like, hey, we're not good at anything. I'm like, oh, that's right. a good way to bring people's right. hopes up. <laughs> right. That, that that was rough. Um, and then, I think even when she came down, like after Arius is like, you got to go, you got to go down to the crypts. Um, and she kind of casually walks in, but doesn't really say anything to anyone and basically leaves all of their imaginations to run wild with like, basically like, oh, if they sent her down here already, we're fucked. Yeah, like, like she, she could have handled that better. Right, so I think that she's definitely got a lot of uh, statecraft from both Cersei and um, Lord Baelish, Littlefinger, um, but she could use some more Tyrion lessons, I think. I feel like if Tyrion had come back down, he would have you know, been able to kind of pick everyone's spirits up, but he, since he was already down there and pissed off about having to be down in the crypts, uh, I don't think he was really going to help her out too much then, but, you know, I think that there's there's definitely a lot left for her to learn um, of when it comes to people, uh, but, you know, everything else she's got unlocked. She knows how to rule. She knows how to govern. She's uh, very intelligent when it comes to, you know, getting ready for a war, not war specifically, uh, but, you know, so it, just think about when she was talking about them needing to put leather on the armor when she was just walking through she's like isn't this like come on guys i i don't even i've never worn armor in my life and i know this yeah. How, why are you guys not doing this um, um I, so that that was yeah that's definitely a good point the parallel there between her being you know in uh were they in the red keep yeah in blackwater were, i think they were in like the queen's quarters or like the right. tower or something like that yeah but they that's were definitely they were a good parallel for sure but um I, I also think Tyrion was kind of right in that he should have been up there. Um, like, I, I know why they kept him down there, because we were, right. we'd be worried about him and Varys for fucking whatever reason. But, <laughs> um, like, no, Tyrion deserved to be up there, because if he was up there, he'd be able to make a lot better, you know, more sound decisions. Right. You know, John making some poor decisions there, too. Yes. Um, like, and I think that goes 
let's segue on to Danny kind of fucking things up too, but um, I like and and before because I, I I can feel you getting ready to to say some very great things, but from a meta standpoint, do you feel like we we've now had three straight episodes of them diminishing Danny? Like three straight episodes of taking all the things that she's been great at for seven seasons, or maybe six and a half, uh, and just basically diminishing them piece by piece. Like her inability to, you know, meet and collaborate with new people, her ability to lead, her ability to, you know, plan ahead. And it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's like, I, I understand. It's very frustrating. And like, I know that we've talked about this already with there being kind of subversions and everything of expectation and whatnot, especially considering the, the climactic moment in this episode, which we will definitely get to and talk about at length. Um, But like, I, I understand part of why they wanted to build in more tension by having them have a bad plan. But between John and Danny, I just can't believe how shitty or lacking their plan was at all. It's And it amazes me because, like you said earlier, you had the greatest minds in the whole planet in mm-hmm. one room. Like, you had Jamie, who, uh, Jamie, who pretty much, you know, ruined Danny's army by, like, plotting to, uh, um, take away the forces at Castle Rock, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was Jamie who came up with that. But um, you have Tyrion, who is known to be a pretty strategic guy. You have um, John, who literally was a commander. Mm-hmm. Um, Brienne, who's a knight who knows her shit. Bran, who is fucking Wikipedia. You've got, <laughs> like you've got like all of these people and. The, the best they could come up with was, okay, let's dig some moats, and let's right. not light them on fire beforehand. And let's put the, put the fucking tar moats behind our army. Like, how, yeah, like, yeah. Keep, keep the Dothraki, like, behind the moat, or whatever, in the trenches. Like, keep them behind there, then keep the Unsullied behind them, if you mm-hmm. have to. Like, the Unsullied should have been, like, all around, like, the ca- like the perimeter. But, right. I mean, at the same time, you know, like, they've got, like, a lockstep legion. Like, they've got to do their thing. And I'm not going to pretend like I know how the Roman soldiers fought. I do, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is different. Um, they didn't fight dragons made out of ice. Right. But, um, yeah, the, the whole plan was kind of dumb. But I have to give Danny credit because when um, the dead were finally in- invading, uh, John, he was like, oh, we have to wait for the Night King. And Danny was like, motherfucker, the dead are already here. Let's go. Right. And I was like, yeah, you've got dragons. You should definitely do that and not sit mm-hmm. around. But at the same time, the dragons are the nukes, so you kind of need them. Right. I don't know. It was it was a clusterfuck, and then they got caught in a hurricane. Yes, <laughs> which was fucking cool, by the way. Yeah, it, that was definitely um, 
it it definitely added to the visual aesthetic of the whole battle. Um, which I know uh, there there are plenty of people that are like, oh, it's too dark, couldn't see anything. I was like, oh. cool, yeah, I understand. Uh, also realized that it probably would be that dark. Yeah, like... I mean they were they were out in the middle of nowhere, really far away from the castle. Uh, so it would be that dark. And I understand that people are like, well, yeah, but you know, use some creative license and lighten it up a, a little bit or whatever. It's like, I, I think it was fine. No, you know? I, and I, I thought it was a thematic choice from the beginning. Like, yeah. Cause I was, I was watching it with a couple of my friends and it was very dark. And I thought I was <laughs> like, maybe it's with the way I'm sitting the screen, but no, it was very dark all around. And yes. I was like, oh, well that's clearly dark because the white walkers are dark and death and mm-hmm. i was like oh okay well that makes you know sense but apparently a lot of people didn't get that memo well <laughs> you know i i also think in you know this is definitely not what this podcast is about at all uh but it will just be relatively techy for the, for a moment um but i think a lot of people have uh tvs that they don't know how to use yeah, um, that too. have uh, dynamic range issues or you know true motion issues uh, have auto dimming and brightness functions that you really should be turning off um, when you're trying to watch something you know this is set up for you to be able to just kind of like binge through like Mad Men or something like that uh, but when you have something that was shot so intentionally to be a certain way and you're not it's like um it's like trying to listen to music on a cassette tape when you have like a 5.1 stereo surround sound system. <laughs> um, it's just like you're, you're going to hear the same music, but you're not going to experience it the same way. Um, and even, you know, you got to think about the amount of people that were streaming this uh, and you're counting on your internet provider or this app to deliver you the best version of this when it's constantly repackaging itself based off of whatever your connection is second to second. So, you know, I think that that caused a lot of issues for people, you know, person to person, but ultimately I didn't think it was enough. I know that it's difficult to kind of parse out uh, Twitter comedy from true issues because you know it was it's so it's so easy to make a meme or a joke about how dark it was like i think um uh one of my favorite ones was uh master amen uh, just a picture of him oh my God. and then the the quote was uh me trying to see where the dothraki went uh and i thought that shit was funny <laughs> yeah, as hell like it's, because it's funny but yeah but um... i don't think that it, it diminished my ability to enjoy all the shit that was going on. No, I, I um, thought it was like I thought it was dark. Like I knew it was intentional because it added to the sense of fear and all of that. Right. Um. But also, and they though, doubled like, down on it with that wintry wind. Yeah, <laughs> and also though, like you don't film something for fifty-five fucking nights. You don't do all of that in the biggest production in TV show history. Mm-hmm. And, like and you don't make an error like oh yeah maybe we should have adjusted the brightness right <laughs> like it like you're not gonna do that like they're not gonna be like oh yeah tom and visual like you really screwed the pooch there like no right. it's not no that no it was a conscious choice and it was really well done and i would be interested in watching it again at 
like a higher brightness level right to like maybe find other other things but the way you were it was meant to be watched was in that moment and i i think it was great um, right. i do have issues with the episode that we're gonna get to the further we go but um the the visuals are top notch right um so without going through every single aspect of the battle um up to a point i will say that i was disappointed by whatever the dragon plan was between uh john and danny um especially considering that part of it was having danny specifically light the trench on fire um but having it only happen when davos signaled her with you know flaming sticks yeah like uh considering that it's just like well maybe she should just keep an eye on it uh and make a decision on when it is because it would be oh they're getting really close i should light it on fire now because there are so many opportunities for her to like before the wintry winds even came in for her to not see some flames so maybe maybe don't use that as the plan but luckily, Melisandre was there to, to hook us up again. So that all worked out. I mean, John, um, he could have, you know, lit him too. Right. So they're, they're, I'm pretty sure they could have made, like, a, a path of pitch from the wall down to the pit. Yeah, like, and they, they should have that on fire. That yeah, so, again, just a lot of poor planning. But, you know, I know that to get into the specific plans and how they did or did not work... Um, kind of takes away the agency from people that actually plotted it out. Uh, it had to happen the way that it did for a TV show to happen while all that was happening, so I get it. Uh, but some of it was just kind of silly. Uh, what wasn't silly uh, was when we finally got the White Walkers and the Whites and everything start to come up over the walls uh, because that's when we really started to get into a lot of scenes of you know our heroes actually doing some legit fighting because you would get like two and a half three second shots of Jamie and Brienne chopping through things Jorah chopping through things you know uh, so people shooting arrows and stuff like that you know um the hound all these all these folks but really like until we got into Winterfell proper there wasn't a really cohesive visual story that was going on it was just like these are really cool shots everything's shot really well but it's not really telling a story yet except for we're honestly losing we need to back the fuck up yeah um and once once we got in there shit really started to get real yeah but i mean like there were were scenes where like it would cut to like jamie killing a white for brienne and vice versa like they were like they had each other's backs and like you know in the middle of the chaos, you'd be like, oh, look at that. That's nice. Right. But, like, I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't show them, like, using all of their, like, skill. Like, they right. were just hacking away at, like, anything they could get, which I, I really liked. Um, as opposed to, like, what would happen later when Arya jumped in. Mm-hmm. And, like, she just pulled out her... What, I don't know what that weapon is called. It was, uh, like, the where, two Yeah, like, the staff that splits spear. in half. Yeah. Yeah, the, it was like Darth Maul. Yeah, it she was, was she was full on Darth Maul yeah, in it. It was crazy. Um, yeah, that I mean, it, this was Arya's episode, so oh, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, she'll have plenty of she'll get plenty of reference in this. But 
Um, I was thinking of like some of my favorite shots from once we got back into Winterfell. And the one that comes to mind, and again, this is me like really keying in on, you know, it, telling a story through visuals alone. Um, there was a uh, like left to right shot static, uh, and it was they were on the battlements, Jamie and Brienne, and they were going in opposite directions, uh, fighting all the whites and everything that were coming up, and it was backlit by the fire from out in the pit. Um, and it was just, like, such an incredible shot. And I love a good stationary shot for an action sequence because it's, like, really, really has to have good choreography for it to land. And like you said just a few seconds ago, like, it wasn't like they were, you know, they weren't water dancing. You know, they were literally just, like, chopping every single piece of any body they could get to. Uh, but just seeing the two of them framed against that light. And then I thought about it for half a second. And I'm just like, they're using two Valerian steel swords that were forged down yep. <laughs> from Ned's sword. Ice. Reborn in Winterfell. Right. To fight for Winterfell. It's just like, this is fucking incredible. And it's just like, to, it's really just kind of a, a testament to how there's so much in this show that even things that, you know, you can read into a lot of things. I mean, that's, that's you know, all fantasy stuff. You, you kind of build out your own canon. You know, there's a lot of things that just happen. You, you put your own spin on it. You can put your own meaning into it. But with something that's this layered and has so many callback and references to itself, so pervasive that something like that can happen and it might i would assume this was done intentionally but it might not mean anything but ultimately the idea that something like that could happen amidst all of the rest of this is, is just really incredible and really beautiful yeah, and i really like I, I like how the show didn't point that out either right like i, I feel like because a lot of the times the show is very on the nose about things like they right. spell shit out for the audience and um, I, I really like how, like, they don't tell you, like, oh, by the way, uh, both of these swords that Jamie and Brienne use were melted down mm -hmm. from Ned's. Like, they don't say that. I feel like they will, right. though. Like, I, I, I hope they don't. But right. I, I love how, like, that's just how it's so subtle. And it's like a little, little piece of something greater. And it's just so cool. And I love. Totally agree. I love that whole scene. Oh, yeah. Um, we also get a, a shining moment for Liana Mormont, um, oh. who, uh, rest in peace, our, our true queen. Um, but, you know, she's holding uh, the inner gate. And it's like, I, I'm trying to, I, that's the second time that gate has been <laughs> kicked in by a giant. <laughs> the same giant, too. <laughs> well, was that one one? Yeah. Cause, um, oh shit! Yeah, you remember how um and that like his his eye you're got right. shot out. Oh my by, god, you're right. Yeah, his eye got shot out by Ramsey like two oh, seasons ago. Oh shit! And then Leonda stabbed him in the other eye. I th I could have I thought they would have burned his body. Yeah, I thought so too. But I mean, I maybe they took it out of Winterfell. I don't. Oh man, yeah, that's. Oh, I, I mean, that was a pretty dumb that. decision on their part, but <laughs> right. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's very difficult to go one-on-one -on -one with the giant, uh, regardless. 
um, but being a very young, very small lady uh, makes it even more difficult. But she did not give up, and she charged. She did the the bow yell and everything. I think she had an axe. I want to say. Uh, yeah, it looked like an up. axe or like a cudgel or uh, right. Like a picked mace. up and is getting squished like a soda can, and then yeah, like you heard her bones cracking. I was like, oh, oh. It, was, it was it was rough, and I was just like, oh, they're not gonna let her go out like that. And then boom, dagger in the eye. Yeah, like it reminded so me of um. I don't know if you've watched uh, Attack on Titan. Oh yeah. Okay, it like it reminded me of that, and I was like, dude, they're gonna eat her, aren't they? <laughs> And, uh, like, part of me, like, a gross, sadistic part of me wishes the show did go that far. Right. <laughs> like, I'm kind of glad they didn't. I'm, I'm glad, right. you know, she went out like the fucking bear badass that she is. Yep. Um, but, yeah. But, so, that's a, that's not a tier, that's not a tier one death. Maybe a tier two death. But, yeah, like, she, she was popular for, like, two seasons. Right. Um, I think, you know, she was initially kind of like a, a bit of a, not, I don't want to say throwaway character because that diminishes her importance, but like, you know, it was meant to have a much smaller role than she did, but they definitely, you know, gauged that fan reaction and made sure to uh, make her into a, a bigger, bigger part, which I thought was really great. Yeah, which is uh, kind of a shame how it turned out, but I feel right, like they, right. they, they always plan on having her killed off anyway, so. Right. Well, I mean, that that's kind of, that was like a, a like a fan-directed subplot, right? Like this whole idea of who's going to die. Like so many people were having, so many websites had polls. So many, you know, people on Twitter were talking about oh, who's yeah, going to die. Yeah. And like, so without going through them one by one, were you surprised, uh, upset? you know okay with like what was your reaction to not only the amount of people that died uh because we we literally talked about all of the dothraki died probably most of them at least um there's all these battles millions or hundreds of thousands of nameless faceless soldiers on all sides have died doesn't really mean anything ultimately but we you know we had some pretty you know decent deaths but were you expecting more or did you kind of like like once you sat down and actually thought about it's like yeah but they're not really going to kill everyone yeah um i actually like i was talking to a couple of people about this before um and like not to get too hipstery but i was like (laughs) i don't think they're going to kill that many people i was saying like we'll probably lose a couple of like big like supporting people and I was saying maybe one or two like major people like a Tyrion or a Bran. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised Grey Worm made it. I'm glad he did. Right. I love my Grey Worm. Um, but like I, this is gonna sound messed up because I love him <laughs> so much. Right. I love Sam. There is no fuck. There's no, no way, way he's alive. He should not exactly. be alive. Right. Like. And this is what got me because, like, they showed him almost dying three times. Right. Three. You can't do that on the show. You can't have three fake outs like that. Right. But they did. And, like, I think even, like, at the third time, John, like, looks at him, like, dude, what are you doing? Right. Um, and that, that shot was really cool. Uh, and actually, it's not about, like, 
is John gonna is John gonna get like a scolding from Sam? He's just like you just literally walked by me in a pile of yeah, like, fucking zombies like, and didn't do a damn thing. You know what would have been funnier is if Danny ended up saving him. Right. <laughs> that would have been that would have been nice, but like I was like, there's like you can't have like all of these like soldiers die. Right. And Sam. Lived. Sam is literally stabbing people while he's laying down. Yeah, and, it's incredible. And like, I love Sam, and he's the bravest of the bunch. Don't get me wrong, but like, he shouldn't be standing there. Like, he should shouldn't not be, be alive. alive. Should not be alive. Um, we had. Uh, I always I always get confused. Like their third brother, his name is Ed, right? Yeah, uh, Dollar Dollarus Ed Tollett. Yeah, he's like so, the sour, miserable guy. He's like me at work, actually. <laughs> right, but I, yeah, he gets, I knew he, he was gets going capped. out. Yeah, and, and like I, I would assume probably most, if not all, of the remaining Night's Watch folks are dead. Yeah, they're crow. Um, uh, Tormund makes it, so that's cool. Yeah, and uh, I I've been predicting that he's gonna make it to the end. I think. Um, I was I was expecting him to to go. No, um, I I think he's gonna make it like to the very end because I'm down with that. No, because I think he's from beyond the wall. He's like their ambassador, right? And um, like he was the one that pretty much said like, "Hey, make Brianna Knight. Who gives a shit? Fuck tradition." Right. And so like you need someone like that in the new world that'll happen post Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. So, like, Torment, like, who better to be an ambassador for, like, the free folk than Tormund? I right. mean, maybe he'll, he'll fucking, he'll get ripped apart by the Golden Company. I don't know, but. Hmm. Well, I, you know. I have him banking near the end. That, that's an interesting, like, concept of him still being around and him kind of being, like you said, that ambassador to uh, the free folk. I mean, there's a huge hole in that wall now. So they could pour in, and it's, uh, it would be a feat for sure, but I don't think it would be too far out of the realm of possibility for Torment to kind of, you know, go rally them and bring them south. Uh, so that could be an interesting plot point going forward. So maybe they had to keep them alive. Maybe that's the ultimate plan, but I guess we'll see there. Yeah, because, um, like, I don't know, for me, like, Torment sort of represented, like, Westeros's, uh, you know politics changing because right. like you know the free folk don't give a shit like who you are like mm-hmm. you know they're like whatever if you can command respect that's it then we like you um and torment is very much of that mind and right. like he respects john even though john is from the night's watch so i think they're going to need that line of thinking going forward mm-hmm. like if the series is going to pan out like that um right so Tormund, I kind of figured would live. I figured the Hound would live, and then I guess this right, is right because we still gotta get Clegane Bowl. Yeah, yeah, he's only he's living because Clegane is alive, which right. makes Sandor Clegane the only undead character on the show now. <laughs> right? Uh, do you count John as an undead character? Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> right. but I don't think John's gonna make it anyway. So yeah, uh, it would have it would have been quite hilarious if when uh the rest of the white walkers exploded uh john also died i thought that might have happened um who just you know just a side note 
John has been straight up trying to die since he died. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's nonstop trying to die. It's, it's like not even a secret at this point anymore. No, the, the thing about, and this is going to go back more like, and we're, I don't want to get too off topic, but the thing that kind of annoys me about John's death is that it doesn't feel like he died. Right. Like Beric Dendarian says, like he makes it a point in like a few seasons back, like, I wish I wasn't brought back. Right. And he says, like, it's not fun. This is awful. I don't remember who I am. Mm-hmm. And John is just kind of like, my father would never lie to me, even right. though he sent me to the wall <laughs> knowing what this place was. Like, Right. You know, so, like, I don't know. I don't like that John is basically Ned without getting any consequences, but... So far, yeah. And I love John too. Like, don't you know? I, I'm I'm hard on our little emo boy, <laughs> uh, but I will get to him being awesome in a bit. So, um, right. What? Where were we? So we're kind of going over like the deaths and the non-deaths, and I don't want to get to uh, the two bigger ones at this point, um, because you know it's really more of like the very climactic scene. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I, that I really thought was interesting is you have all this going on. Um, you have a sequence where where you kind of very unfocused three dragon battle, uh, going on, uh, up in the sky. It's very difficult to follow. Um, yeah, that I can actually kind of agree with the people complaining about the lighting. Yes. Cause it was kind of yeah. tough to figure out which was Rhaegal and Drogon right um, they i definitely wish that they had kind of committed earlier in you know the series to uh making them a bit more unique looking um because like when you actually have time to sit and look at the dragons you can tell which one is which um but you know from afar it's a little bit more difficult yeah like especially uh, in the earlier seasons right like they didn't look that different like you know right. drogon because he was the big and like the darkest one but right like, the other two, you really couldn't. And you still right. kind of can't, like, even now. Right. So, you know, it definitely was, was kind of difficult. But ultimately, you know, they they get done with their thing. And uh, there's some really cool sequences. Like, when, when Drogon attacks, uh, you know, the undead White um, or White Walker, I, I think that's still one of those things that's been kind of debated but i think ultimately it's a white walker dragon you know he got touched by the night king so yeah that's kind i of wasn't sure how that magic i wasn't sure how that would be because like a dragon is not a slave and all of that but right right i'm I pretty sure that the... yeah um but yeah him getting fucked up by drogon was was a really really cool sequence um you know like there was there's was something so cool and visceral about the fact that he like bit off part of his lower jaw and throat i thought that that was a really like you know, when you when you want to you want to see dragons fight, you want to see them like it's cool to see them shoot fire at each other and everything. But ultimately, they're kind of immune to fire. Yeah. Like, so if um, they're gonna in... actually f- fight, they're gonna like you know come to blows. And seeing that happen and seeing the <laughs> the, <laughs> the Night King's body just kind of <laughs> yeah, like he just like did that cool fall and he was like, okay, bye. Uh, it's just like it was it was just so it's like you know they're at no point. 
in his descent was I like, oh, well, that's going to be what kills him. <laughs> I was like, he's probably going to land in like a fucking superhero three-point stance. Yeah, like, and he's like, all right, fine. If that killed him, that would, have been per- that would have been so great, but... <laughs> right. Um, um, no, but yeah, then... I love the fucking dragon fight, though. Like, yes, it was super cool. The, I mean, and when people complain about like, oh, it was dark, whatever, like... You had dragons fighting in a fucking cyclone over a burning castle with a bunch of zombies raiding it and a giant. Like, I don't know what more you could ask for, but um, I I really thought of the books at that point, too, because, like, in the histories, like, the Targaryens had civil wars and the dragons would fight and they would bite each other and snap and claw at each other. Right. So I I really like that. Um, And it was just, like brutal to watch right um so going from that like you know basically the biggest of the big fight um to aria's uh uh, escape into the library um it was such an interesting choice to hit that change of pace at that exact moment yeah um particularly (laughs) on the heels of the hound having a panic attack which I, was I thought like, was handled very well. Yes, yeah. and I, I was like, man, I I feel so seen. I feel like <laughs> this would be exactly what would be happening to me. Yeah, no, when, when we were watching, like, what, one of uh, one of the people we were watching with was like, do something, and someone else was like, he's afraid of fire, don't you know yes. that? Um, but, you know, again, and just kind of shows the, the interesting kind of depth that the Hound and Arya's relationship has achieved. Um, that the only thing that could snap him out of it was trying to get to her and keep her safe. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, always an interesting kind of fraught relationship between him and Beric. Uh, I can't remember what specific curse he hurls at him when he's trying to get him involved. Uh, but, you know, the Arya call to action, um, it was, Wait, was you really... Mean, like, what gets Beric and the Hound hating each other? Oh, no, I mean, what what the hound called Beric specifically. He had some... Oh, he called him a stupid whore. Is that what he did? <laughs> yeah. I knew it was something that was just, like, kind of really, really strange because, you know, he's usually calling him various names for female genitalia. Yeah, no, he, um, he called him a stupid whore, and we were like, what the f-? <laughs> We, we like, couldn't believe it. It was so great, though. Of all the things for him to say. Um, but yeah, Arya, after, you know, completely kicking ass, uh gets in a little bit over her head, you know, in, which is understandable because she's literally has no backup at all. Like she's up in her specific spot, completely alone uh, with just her new newly built weapon and everything. Um, and she just gets overrun and just has to book it. Uh, and that whole sequence that, oh man, it's just like all this stuff was happening, all this noise, all this fire, and then just one room super quiet, you know, Metal Gear Solid style sneaking. Uh, it's just, it like, I don't think I was more tense then than I was at any other point yeah, in the entire episode, that, that which is so funny well considering done. all the shit that was happening. Like, oh, man. that was like pure heart. Like, that was, like, I, I mean, I again, I give the showrunners a lot of shit for a lot of things, but like, that was like a pure horror scene. And I was oh, yeah. like, if they could do that, I was like, God, like, I, I wish they, they had that for a lot of other scenes in the series, but like that tension and mm-hmm. like the like noise of like feet, like scuffling in the background. And you're like, what the fuck was that? What was that? What was that? Like you're flipping right. out. 
and the fact, like, and, like, we're genuinely worried about Arya, because, I mean, yeah, at, at this point, we were like, oh, anyone could die except, you know, the 40 other lesser characters, but, right. um, like, you know, Arya would be a big shocker if she went. Yeah, and super painful. Yeah, and she is my daughter, and I will protect her forever, <laughs> but I was like, oh, no, 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 and, like, and, and I also think part of me was like, oh, like, they're gonna show, like, baby Rickon, like, as a zombie, and that will... Oh, um, no. Um, which oh. I'm glad they didn't. Not right. for, like, my own sake, but because I think it would have been kind of campy and lame. Right. But, uh... And then the fact that her blood is, like, dripping is, like, what gets them going. Right. Which, I'll get to that, too, when, when we get to... Because there's a lot to talk about with her. Our, our yes. precious baby. Yes. Um... But yeah, that that whole sequence happens. Uh, she does eventually make it out of the library, which is great. Um, she kind of meets up with the Hound and Beric again, uh, and you know, Beric essentially. You know, this is you know, if you if you follow Melisandre's line of thought, uh, this is what he came back for. This this moment in the hall, yeah, uh, which he, was he did again the hold the door moment. Yeah, and it was that was shot so well. I mean, that was that was framed so incredibly. And I actually kind of wish that they would have left him in the hall, and he kind of basically gave them enough time uh, by you know just holding them back to the best of his ability. But I was okay with them bringing him into the room to kind of have that last moment. Uh, but that shot alone was just so cool. How about so when he cool. threw the sword? Oh yeah, <laughs> like that was so cool. I was like, oh damn, all right. <laughs> Throwing a flaming sword is always going to be cool. Yeah, but um, ah, man, I'm a so big good. I'm a big Beric Dondarrion fan. Um, so when the show decided to keep him around, I was like, you know what? I'm fine with this because yes. I love his character because he's one of the few, like the you know the leftist in me without getting political. <laughs> he's like one of the few who is like, I don't care who you are if you mess around with common folk, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you. Right. And um, so he's like a, you know, protector of the good people. And like his the actor who plays him has a very soothing voice. And I want yes. that voice. I wish I had. Yes. That. <laughs> so I love that. I agree. But, I agree. Um, yeah. Like, I, I love him anyway. And I think the show likes to make parallels between Arya and what she would have been Lady Stoneheart. And again, if you right. haven't read the books, Lady Stoneheart is resurrected Catelyn. Um, big change there. But in the books, resurrected Catelyn makes her choice to kill off all the Freys. Arya kills off all the Freys. Um, she goes through like all of the same things. And in the books, Beric gives up his life for Catelyn Stark. So I think it's really cool that Beric gave up his life for Arya in the show. Right. But, ah, uh, Beric. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, they, they stumble into the, uh, into, I, I don't, I'm not really sure. Is that the Great Hall that they're in? No, it, it seemed a little cramped. I think yeah. it was like a study. Like the, it looked like a maester's study. A place that has a real cool fire going on yeah. in it. Um, and who do we see? Who's in there? Oh, I wonder who. Hmm, little evil Red Riding Hood. My 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 princess, my queen, my red monster lady. 
paranormal queef lady i love her (laughs) they have they have a great little chat uh barrack finally expires and what's what's cool about this whole sequence with Arya specifically is we've essentially seen her since basically since she came back and killed the phrase kind of dip into this non-feeling sociopathic version of her character um which i think a lot of people you know have understood but like have really had trouble reconciling against you know her characterization up to that point uh and it's what you know made it kind of felt like the end result of all the training that she had had like of course she's going to be a non-feeling killing machine um and so to see her faced with death literally you know the only god that she knows um and have such a visceral reaction and just kind of essentially lose it you know especially in comparison to the hound who was also losing it um really brought home this idea that yeah she is this character she is this person that she's trained to be but she's still a human she's still very young and that's like she's reacting the way that you would expect someone to react and that's like really what's compelling about her character to me is Mm -hmm. um because like spoiler alert i'm aria team all the way yes um but like a lot of the characters in the show are trying to find like their own identity um like john is like torn all the time like i'm a bastard like do i belong here do i belong here oh i'm a targaryen now am i like um you know theon who we'll get to in a bit um you know he's like am i a stark am i a Greyjoy? am i reek am i theon like who am i um you've got that you've got daenerys who's like she has like a you know like a crisis where she's like it's not so much in the show but you know she's like what am i doing i'm killing people like my dragons are eating people at one point um so we've got like all these people like wondering like who they are and how they fit into this world and then you've got Arya who knows who she is right and like has been trying to become this person for six seasons yeah like she even when she goes to bravos and she goes to the house of black and white to learn how to become no one like she keeps needle she's like i'm not getting rid of it right like she's there's like a passage in the books that is so great where she's like you know needle was like brand's smile and rob's hair and john's like every like john's laugh and needle was winterfell and like she she won't get rid of that and right i think like in the show she kind of like became a meme where she was just a badass murder queen which she is but right i love like now that she's back in winterfell she sees john she has like more humanity to her it's like restored and then seeing that part of her like that was full of hate in the earlier seasons brought back when like melisandre is here she's like bitch you're on my list and i am going to kill you right and you're like oh yeah she's got a list She's right, which, which which makes it incredible that the person who is able to help her recenter herself and give her the motivation that she needed to do what she knew needed to be done is Melisandre. And on top of that, she's referencing something that she said to her the first time they met when she put her on the list. It's just, you know, like, I, I know that it's a it's a TV show and they're in the writing thing, but like, you know, when you see something pay off, 
and it's not cheesy and it's not cliche and it's not corny. It's it's so great. And just to see the calm that came over Arya when she said, and don't forget, you close some brown eyes, you know, she closed some green eyes and, and then she yeah, the maybe, blue eyes. Yeah. Maybe some blue eyes. And I am mad at myself for not catching that right away. Oh yeah? I really should have because like I pay close attention to this and maybe it was because i was watching it with other people because most of the Uh time like i'll watch it alone like to really try and like take mental notes and think critically but like i was watching it in the moment and like we're all excited and drinking like dogfish head ipa and all that crap um so sponsor us (laughs) yeah dogfish head very (laughs) delicious dragons and yum yums very good ipa it tastes like berries anyway um so, yeah, I didn't catch the blue eyes thing, and I had thought, oh, maybe she means, like, um, Marin Trant, uh, Walder Frey, and Littlefinger. Like, maybe that's who she meant. Right. Um, I didn't catch that blue eyes is, you know, <laughs> the fucking obvious one. Right, right. But, yeah. And, then, and then, she, then she gives her the hammer line, and that shot was great, too. It's kind of that that slow zoom in. On, I don't know if the pound was in it, but definitely Mel and Arya are like center. center yeah, she's like not today. I'm like, yeah, oh, so good. Like that's oh, like a so fist good. bumping moment. Yeah, it definitely was for sure. Uh, so we pop back outside. We got old Night King. Uh, you know, getting you know he's got he's got a bump back, so it takes him a little bit stronger, a little bit longer to get up to a standing position. Um, and John's there. And for whatever reason, Danny just parks her dragon. Yeah, I don't in, know why in the zombie mosh pit, which you know, I I know that was basically just a, a vehicle to get her off the dragon, uh, and that's fine. Um, but again, and this is interesting for like a you know theories and lore standpoint. But like, the Night King had a shot at John, right? And everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people think that John is you know Azora High, you know Princess Promise and everything. You know, that's supposed to be the, the foil to the Night King. And the Night King and him are right there. And this is the third or fourth time that the Night King has looked directly at John and has done nothing to him directly. Uh, so I what does he do? In... don't understand why. I still right. don't. Right. So what does he do instead? He, you know, you know, he pumps up the crowd, uh, which is a really uh, brutal thing to do because not only is he bringing up all the people that have died around it but then we get all those individual shots of the characters that have already died that we cared about so we're seeing ed we're seeing the autumn warmout we're seeing these characters come back to life with the blue eyes and it's just just tough yeah liana in particular i was like yes. oh no and then he starts walking into winterfell um and you know john because again he is obsessed with making sure that he dies he is so ready uh, just like, I'm going to go for him. I'm going to chase after him. Uh, I'm going to try and chop my way through all these, which, you know, to be fair, he does a pretty good job of. Um, the Drogon gets swarmed by the zombies. Um, which was horrifying, t- by the way. Yes, I was super I was super scared. Luck- luckily, he was able to kind of give him the shimmy, uh, but he had to do it in the air. And then, of course, we get Danny and Jorah. And, oh, man. Like, that was tough, man. So tough. Like, Jorah's already fucked up. Like, he is in a bad spot, but, like, uh, just, like, there to the end. Just just an incredible, like, 
that's just a really, really, yes, really like really the, the best way to handle that. And I like, I was actually really happy that they put a, a sword in Danny's hand as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked how she was very clumsy with it. Yes. She, I, was I not, she was not good at it, but you know, just good enough to survive. Um, it's a really incredible sequence in, you know, like, I don't, I don't know any people personally that are like huge, like huge Jorah fans. Like there's plenty of people that are like, Jorah's cool. You know, he's always been a really good fighter. You know, he's, he's had a redemption arc and everything like that. But like, I, mean, I, love I know a lot Jorah of, and I can, I can yeah. talk about that if you want. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot of people that were hurting real, real hard when Jorah, Jorah went down. Yeah, which I think speaks to the fact that we don't know how much we like these characters until they're gone. Right. And I think Jorah is the tricky one, because, like, I'm not going to lie, like, Book Jorah is very creepy. Right. And A lot older. Uh, he's a lot a older. A lot uglier. A lot uglier, yeah. Like, you know, like okay. Um, right. But, like, even, like, even show Jorah is a bit creepy, but... Like, it comes from a place where, like, he genuinely has this, like, love and admiration. And he's so loyal. And he's, like, right. such a good dog. And, <laughs> and I'm, like, and everyone's, like, oh, he's in the friend zone. I'm, like, he doesn't care. He loves right. her anyway. And right. it's very nice. And I can't think of a better way for him to go out than that. Right. I agree. And I, I, think, I think they did it as well as they could, especially the very last shot. Of of her cradling his body as he passed, uh, just oh, just incredible, just 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 very incredible. Um, but from that specific scene, we have you know John essentially trying to follow the Night King into you know basically he knows that he's going for Bran, so he's basically trying to get to Bran too. And we have this really cool tracking shot uh, that's following behind John. And is giving us kind of, and it's and it's a pretty long extended shot, and it's basically reminding us of everyone that's still alive, <laughs> uh, and and giving them kind of you know moments, um, you know, like their heroic moments, including you know Sam's uh, laying on a pile of bodies, stabbing additional bodies moment, uh, which is just incredible. <laughs> you should be dead. He should so be dead. He really should, and I uh, still feel bad saying that. Right. But, like, um, how are you going to let the Unsullied tie over Sam? Right. Right. It's just just incredible. But, you know, like, John at this point is just like, I got, I, the only way I can end this is to kill the Night King. And he's just following him the best he can. And, of course, you know, that dragon that got his jaw chopped off uh, lands right where John is. Uh, and he's doing his best to get around him. He's doing his. He's trying to summon his firebolt like Harry, but he just cannot get around this dragon at all. It's just not working for him. And they're intermingling this this shot with the Night King getting closer and closer. And uh, we have the crypts being shown, and we're seeing all of these, you know, Stark bodies uh, from you know generations c coming out of these coffins and out of these crypts and everything. Yeah, and, and oh, that crypt scene, by the yes. way. It was such a perfect, like, parallel, or not parallel, but, like, it was so, such a great contrast, rather, that's what I meant, to, compared to, like, John fighting the dragon, Theon and the Ironborn, like, hacking away in the godswood, 
And then you've right. just got Sansa and Tyrion, who literally talked about how useless they were, having like yes. a Romeo and Juliet moment. Mm-hmm. And like literally like they were on a tomb and I was like, oh, this is just like Romeo and Juliet. How nice. Right. And I thought they were going to kill each other and I'm glad they didn't. I, you know, I'm glad that you thought that too, because I, I definitely got a murder suicide vibe from them uh, at that moment. And I was very scared, but luckily, uh, luckily that did not happen. Yeah. And, and it was good to have that moment where, you know, she was like, you were the best of them. And he's like, right. oh God. But like, that right. was like the reunion I wanted from the first episode. Right. And I'm glad we finally got it here at the very end of this like, yes. moment where they were yes. going to die. And then right. that cues the music, which, mm-hmm. oh my god. So good. The piano. Oh, man. Yeah. So you, you just mentioned it briefly, but um, the best worst plan of all of the best worst plans, uh, putting Theon in like eight dudes... Uh, to protect Bran, who, to be fair, is the self-professed most important uh, person in this scheme, because the Night King is supposedly, uh, for sure, coming directly for him. Um, so the idea that they were going to be able to protect him, which is a couple of dudes, uh, was laughable. But Theon specifically being there, considering everything that's happened uh, in this place you know besides him being a ward but you know sacking the place taking it you know burning the farm boys but in place of uh, brandon rickon uh coming to this point and you know i'm on record uh written and spoken as being against a redemption for Vion because i just hate him so much uh but i have to admit they did it they really did um uh, beyond the kind of a little bit hokey because because all of Bran has been hokey in all honesty. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go now. Later. I'm gonna go um, watch the Avengers. Yeah. Like, I'm... and then like literally telling Theon like, you know, you're a good man, um, which is definitely like a this is for the this is the tear jerking moment, and I was just like, I was oh, still, yeah. like under my breath going, fuck Theon. Uh, but well, you know, ultimately they did a good job there. But oh, that being the way that he went out, like with that charge at the night king that just did not work at all poor theon like it, it's tough for I me to even say knew. that but but do you, how do you feel about that like do you feel like that is the way that he should have gone out um yes and in a way no like i feel like he should have said like or i feel like bran should have said like after like you're a good man i i really wish he would have said like what is dead may never die Ah, like, that would have been cool. Yeah, like, that yeah. was a call to, like, you know, their words and all that. Um, right. But, I mean, also, Theon is more stark than Greyjoy, so... Right. Um, and it would have been really weird to say winter is coming. <laughs> yeah, like... But, uh, man, like, Theon... Theon Complicated. is such a... Like, I don't like him... Like, I don't like him as a person, Theon. Yes. Um, but I think as a character, like looking from like an outward perspective, he is just about as compelling as Jamie. Yeah. And like, there's a, lot, there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. His struggle for identity, his struggle for like all of this, all of this and that, and the things he goes through, and his like tragic arc of like abuse and like his transformation back into like who he is. And I think I mentioned this last week, but there's a 
beautiful passage in in a dance with dragons where he theon talks about like you know please let me die uh, as theon Greyjoy. you know like let me die like protecting like winterfell like i should have been with rob i should have been with bran mm-hmm. and then a tr- like a a leaf from the tree falls and brushes his cheek and he thinks like is that you bran and like right and and the fact that we get this is it was so great and i mean while i think maybe theon you know i I don't know his like suicide charge i don't know what he was expecting right but i mean i guess he just had to try yeah you know but like when when bran told him like you're a good man i was like oh he is deep down yep and so man that and like like you mentioned the music we've got danny and jorah fighting Trying to stay alive. We've got everyone. We've you got know, John yelling at a dragon, by the way. Yes, <laughs> trying to go full on Skyrim on the dragon. Yeah, it, it is not like, working. Oh. It is yeah. totally not working. We no. got all the people in the in the crypt, and dude, I'm like, I, like, I'm getting just just even about to say it to you, I'm getting goosebumps. But there's this just really really subtle shot of one of the one of the White Walkers' hair just moving ever so briefly and it turns to look and we get this from in front shot but looking over the shoulder basically like from Bran's perspective of the Night King and out of the gloom Arya just kind of jumping down you know full on battle scream has the the what is it called cat's paw yeah the cat's paw dagger cat's paw dagger you know which is was supposed to kill Bran and it's coming down, and you're just like, oh, she's going to do it. And then, of course, you know, Night King goes full-on Neo in the Matrix and turns around and grabs her by the throat. Yeah, which I have to point out, um, we we screamed so loud. Yes. <laughs> First it was, yes! And yes. then it turned to no. And, yeah. like, and I don't like looking up reaction videos because, like, right. I feel like that's kind of a low form of entertainment. <laughs> um, but it is... It, that was one of those reaction moments where, like, oh, yeah. you can watch other people reacting to it and you're like, yep, I felt that. Yeah, like, the exact same thing. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the hopelessness that I felt when he grabbed her, I was like, oh, oh yeah. no. It's like, we're all, it's like, it's over. Like, it's all, like, it, it, we came that close. But then, you know, in a sweet, incredible callback to that super compelling fight scene between Arya and Brienne when they were practicing the hand switch with the knife yeah straight out of phantom menace like and the the stab in the belly oh it's just just incredible and i think the coolest thing about it for me specifically uh was having read that Maisie williams mom mentioned to her when she got the job that Arya was left-handed and she is not so she decided to learn how to do all of this stuff left-handed on purpose and seeing that drop and stab oh it's just it was very it was so satisfying so incredible and i know a lot of people were not happy with that decision and um i'm gonna tell them why they're wrong (laughs) in a bit (laughs) 
but I mean the the sheer anxiety that I felt like then was just I think I lost like 10 pounds in a couple of years <laughs> of my life um, but like I think and I and I also need to point out I think the Night King is a great villain and yeah. I don't think he gets enough credit for being a great villain and I think the way the show handles him is actually really well done right um because he doesn't show up often and when he does it matters and I yes. think he doesn't have any dialogue and like Every now and then, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, like, and he's got a, like, facial twitch, you're like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Like, like when Daenerys, like, when Drogon breathed fire on him, and he right. just kind of, like, gave a grin, and I was like, whoa, he doesn't right. smile. Right. And, um, like, when he walked into the Godswood with that music playing, total Westworld vibes, by the way. And For I know sure. this isn't a Westworld show, <laughs> but when it comes back, I feel like that should be a thing, because I fucking love westworld um but yeah uh total like everything about that was great um i think though night king like i feel like he's not dead well i was i thought for because you know when when all the rest of them exploded and died and crumbled and everything i was like okay but part of me was just like what if he's just injured you know, like, what if, like, he, not that he would turn back into whatever man he was prior to being turned into the Night King, but that he wouldn't be immediately destroyed. Uh, just yeah. just through the nature of, like, my understanding of him just being so ultimately powerful, I was like, maybe he's not, you know. But then I was like, well, what are they going to do, like, tie him up and interrogate him or something yeah, like, yeah. I, no i think physically like i don't think he's there in a physical sense but like mm. i think he is like in the weirwood like network sort of thing interesting like he's like in this like astral plane which i know a right. couple of um like bloggers who are much better at this than i am like i'll give a shout out even though he's never gonna listen um lucifer means Lightbringer um on twitter he's like big into like the Weirwood network and like brand sort of going into this like alternate dimension and all of that. And I, I mean, I think like there could be some sort of like scene where brand has to go back and like go all the way to the back, like to when the children of the forest first created them. Maybe, I don't know. I feel like there's something more there. Right. Um, if, that's not and if he's like officially dead and that's it and that's the end of it i mean i i guess i'll be okay wondering what the fuck they're gonna do for the next three and a half hours or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i know a lot of people are kind of upset about that because the show has painted them as like a threat that's bigger than the throne right and to have them killed off and still have the throne is kind of like okay what why right um well, and I, th- I think it kind of also leads into this idea uh, about a frustration over the use of magic in this show, uh, where it's been less a meaningful aspect of the universe and more for specific set pieces and basically just for cool things to happen, um, which is which is a bit of a bummer um, because I think early on in the books and in the show, like magic's existence was a little bit limited 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and then I prefer that. dragons came back and then it kind of changed things, you know? Yeah. I, um, I prefer low magic, like in right. fantasy to begin with. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll read anything, but I mean, like I prefer to be like subtle and like mysterious. Mm-hmm. And I think the show operated better when it wasn't as prevalent too. Right. Um, but it has become more noticeable at the very least, if not prevalent, uh, in the like last two and a half seasons um but almost as kind of like a uh an afterthought or a sideshow or a way of explaining things um without like actually delving too deep into where it comes from which is to, is personally for me a bit of a bummer like you know it's like do it and explain it uh is in in universe not like i don't need to know how the night king races the dead i don't i don't care about that yeah like we don't Um, need the like specifics but right but just to kind of like have it there and just kind of go you just have to kind of accept that it exists without like any kind of reference to itself i just kind of a a little bit of a bummer um but ultimately i think it, it was all handled pretty well uh and we i mean i think we've got three episodes left we've this next one's probably going to be a lot of you know regrouping rebuilding uh might be some narrative dumps might be some yeah cool conversation be a lot of between, talking yeah and then we probably the next one after that's going to be a battle i would assume uh and then maybe the last one is kind of just a wrap-up yeah um, um i think it's interesting we don't know anything about what's going to happen now right hbo is like when when they release the trailers and everything that was only for these three episodes so everything right. we're getting now is gonna be like we have no idea we're in the dark ah, right dark <laughs> and then speaking of, of dark yeah we get uh melisandre like we said heading out almost back exactly where she came from uh at the beginning of the episode and uh becoming old and turning into dust uh like the end of infinity war yep, and just, just uh being thanos right there just like, gone just she got snapped um but yeah so i mean i think the two biggest deaths are the ones right there at the end we got Zora passing away we got theon uh liana ed Beric. that's about it right yeah and, and mel i mean oh well, yeah yeah <laughs> um i mean i and i, I really liked how like Mel was just kind of like, yeah, you don't need to execute me. And then like she right. saw the dawn before she died, and I was like, yeah. that is so fitting for her. Yeah. Um, and I know, I, I know people weren't the biggest fan of her for a long time. I was, but yeah. <laughs> I always right. thought she was misunderstood, and she was. Um, even though she still burned baby Shireen. Yes. But not a huge fan of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't not like that. that. No, but I mean, to be fair, it did work. True. Um, also, a possibility that weather changed, but I, I also agree that it's more likely that it was done through the magic. Uh, however, it definitely made sure one hundred percent that Stannis was going to lose that battle. Uh, so much so that she fucking bailed. Yeah, she knew <laughs> she was like, "Oh shit!" Took the one horse left and was just like, "East." <laughs> No, but, ah, um, like, I so think, good. I don't know, and I think, I, I'm so glad the show didn't dive into who Melisandre was, 
because right. I love that we don't know. Right. Um, the book reader in me that like loves picking apart and theorizing and all of that, like I, I can do that at a later date. Right. Um, but I, I like how she's mysterious and I like how she made it. Her whole mission was like to bring about the prince who was promised or whatever, but it was actually her that did it. And I, I think it's an interesting way to look at it is like through the eyes of maybe she was a Zora high. Mm-hmm. Like it's an interesting theory. I mean, it's between that and Arya at this point, right? Like, yeah, I don't think our like, so this is what I wanted to get into because again, like the book purists and even in the show, they mention like, Oh, a prince who was promised will bring about the dawn. Um, no one suspected Arya. Right. And I mean, I get that they want to subvert tropes or whatever. Um, so like the part of me was like, holy shit, wait, she's the one to do it. Like I'm okay with it. And right. I think, um, I think it's fitting that Melisandre in season two and in book two tells Davos like, um, actually no shadows are an instrument of the light. And mm-hmm. she's like, shadows can't live in the darkness. And then she says, and like Arya is in her own words, quick as a, sh- like silent as a shadow. Like, right. Um, she's so quiet that like her blood draws like white Walker, like whites next to her. And she's quieter mm-hmm. than a drop of her own blood. And she right. jumps out from the darkness to kill night King. Right. Um, and her whole arc is that she's been a tool of death and she brings death. And so like, what better way for it to end than her restoring life? Like, right. Or being the tool that he would use. The night King would use against him. Right. So I love that. And it works yeah, for they, Arya. They, Not so much for yeah. John or Danny, but Right. And I mean, I think that's I mean, you know, that's that's one of those things that um really builds in and I, I don't know if it's this is it's very difficult to read intention off of people that you don't know. Uh you're not familiar with their writing specifically outside of just you know, watching the show that they work on. Um, but this idea that we've spent so much time, especially since like the middle of season two, uh, convinced that John and Danny are the main characters. They are the ones that are driving the plot. They're the ones that are eventually either going to be together on the Iron Throne or be one of the two of them is going to be it. And so we have to kind of read into existing prophecies that maybe one or the other is the same thing and this this whole show is just filled with prophecies and you know like these these theories and these identities of people that have existed before that are you know reborn and all this stuff um there's a lot of rebirth throughout the entire series and going through all of that and then just these three episodes specifically having both of those characters withdrawn bit by bit from the characterization that has existed so far and then putting a literal bow on top of it that whole night nice neat package for taking all of that stuff away from them like john was about to die danny was about to die and who saves them not only themselves but everyone is aria and i know there's there's a ton of people you're gonna if you go and you put aria was always the princess that was promised to google you're gonna get 77 articles right now the people that will try and convince you 
that they knew that this was going to happen and that it's been telegraphed and whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah, they, they conveniently knew after it aired. Right. Yeah, they, right. they knew this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, if, totally. Fine. Do whatever you got to do to make yourself feel better about your theories. Totally fine. Uh, I will say that I had no idea and that I am incredibly happy with what they have done because it works. Yeah. In like, hindsight, if you rewatch, you're like, oh, shit. Like, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, like Brand giving her the dagger, saying like, "Oh, well, you know, what am I gonna do with it? Like, right. it's better with you." And I mean, if you think about it too, um, I mean, if you want to get into like the, the literal, like, "Oh, well, you know, Lightbringer is supposed to be a sword, like a flame, whatever." It's Valerian steel, and I know someone I, uh, you know, I'm friends with. He he complained like, "How come Dragonfire didn't kill the Night King?" I'm like, "Well, if you want to be a you know book nerd about it." Um, Valerian steel is made out of, like, from blood magic to begin with. One. Two, that blade caused more bloodshed in the Seven Kingdoms than fucking anything. Very true. So, I mean, you know, in that way, the sword had so much blood on it already. Um, so, and Valerian steel, frozen fire, it's literally fire and blood in a little baby dagger. Right. And George likes to do things where, like, um, I mean, he's not the only author to do it, but George R. R. Martin will, like, make something unlikely become, you know, the actual thing. Like, he'll you'll find, like, a little tiny horn that you're like, oh, like, whatever, it's a piece of junk, and that'll be, like, the actual horn of winter, as opposed to this, like, giant... It's a literary device that's not coming to me right now, because I'm very tired. <laughs> where like the object that they're seeking is like hiding in plain sight mm-hmm. and like the grand beautiful like treasure box is just like junk yes this is this is essentially uh the holy grail in the last crusade yes uh indiana jones it's just like yeah it's not gonna be the fucking golden cup with rubies and shit in it it's gonna be the cup of a carpenter yeah exactly it's so yeah, it's a uh, I I totally happy with it, and it was one of those things where like the show just did such a good job with this episode, and it was a very very good episode, and then the climax made it an all time episode, and I think that something that retroactively makes the rest of the episode that much better in like the last five minutes is always going to be awesome, and they did a really really incredible a really incredible job of it. Yeah, and, like, just a closing shot of, like, them coming out in the dawn, and it gave me, like, big vibes, like, oh, what are they gonna do now? And right. I think that, I think, you know, I think it's funny, too, that Cersei Lannister, <laughs> Lena Headey, <laughs> outlived everyone, and I didn't expect right. her to be the big bad guy at the end, but here we right. are. And I'm, I'm glad, because I, like I said, I love Lena Headey so mm-hmm. much. Um... <laughs> But Euron Greyjoy is here for whatever reason still. Um, show Euron. We'll always, we'll always point that yeah, out. Yeah, show Euron. I love Book Euron. Book Euron is yep. like crazy cool. Um, he's a horrible human too. But yes. Anyway, um, like, and I think now the show, they're kind of. I'm kind of glad the magic war part is out of the way because mm-hmm. I think the show and the books do better when they're focused on the political fighting. Right. So, 
before we go, um, was there anyone that you expected to die that didn't? Um, yeah, like, like I said, Grey Worm, I figured he was out. Um, Sam, I kind of figured he would go too. Yeah, especially during the episode. I know, oh my god, <laughs> he should have gone. Um, let's see. I mean, I wasn't expecting, like, John to go. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't hoping for it either. But part of me was like, yeah, he's probably going to go. Right. Um, if not ja- John or Danny, one of the two. Bran, I kind of, I really thought was going to go too. Right. And that also makes me wonder, what are they going to do with him now, dude? Like, I'm a, like, honestly, the only thing I can think of with Bran specifically is that in this next episode or in the very last episode, we're going to get a little bit more of an understanding of what he is as the three-eyed raven and what was at stake during the battle. Um, and part of me hopes that he literally wasn't just watching it through the ravens. Yeah, because but, when he said, I'm going to go now, I'm like, all right, what are right. you going to do? Like, Yeah, they switched to that shot, and then like we saw him kind of, you know, in, with his raven cloud uh, watching everything happen. And he's like, if that's literally what he was doing the entire time, because up, up until I saw Arya jumping i assume that bran had done had pulled some kind of weird magic that we were never going to get an explanation for and that was going to be you know how he killed the night king or something like that i was like this is going to be some weird bullshit like i don't know maybe it's fucking uncle benjen or like he's taking control of when you said you uncle benjen i just thought of like a box of uncle ben's rice <laughs> yes that would, that's, that's that's the edit that we need yes. uh aria as a box of uh rice aroni <laughs> yes um yeah and it's just it's so like again this is me up on the exact same stone box i've been on eight times in the past 20 minutes but you have magic and it's just kind of there and there's no explanation for it, why have it? Like, I understand him as a three-eyed raven, I get that, and whatever, yeah, it's but like when a you're... Chekhov's gun, but with Bran. Right. Um, I feel like, I feel like his role isn't over. I feel like he did something with the ravens. I feel like we're gonna find out. And yeah. I feel like we're gonna get a resolution with, uh, Mira Reed. I hope so. And also, also because... Yeah. And another thing... I can never remember that actress's name, but I think that she is yeah, adorable. Yeah, I her name... Um, which I feel bad. I would for, love to see I, her yeah, again like because her. she's cool. Yeah, she's so cool. Um, and I think uh, so. We need to revisit her so Bran could really say goodbye. I guess maybe because uh, her farewell last time it, it sucked, and Ugh. I was like, "Don't yeah. do that to her." Come on, Bran. But uh, yeah, I'm the three-eyed raven. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like your brother died. Okay, but um. I think we're going to see the Reeds, I hope, at some point, maybe. Howland Reed. Where is Howland Reed? And I'd like to see Howland Reed verify, like, oh, yeah, no, John, you're a Targaryen. Yep. Um, I think maybe we'll see that when they march south. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, they have to do something to legitimize it. And if it comes from Howland, you know, who's so close with Ned, I think that would do a lot more to kind of uh, squelch the fires that could have potentially come up from the Northmen about like, oh, Jon Snow, Targaryen, what? No, no way. It's just like, calm down. He's 
literally the, the king of the north. You guys know this man as who he is. He just found out. Yeah, because like calm down. I mean, in order to reach King's Landing, they'd probably have to they they have to pass through the neck anyway. So that's yep. you know they have to find the reeds anyway. And you know the other thing they have to do is some unfinished business. House Glover decided to sit out the battle. Very so true. So they should get they're gonna get a knock on their door like, hey motherfuckers, guess what? We we better see some beheadings. I mean, I don't know. I, I'd like to. I'd like to see at least the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot his name. Like, I, I think Albert Glover is dead, but, um, like, you know, if they're like, hey, hey, you, uh, wanted to sit Donald out. Donald Glover. Well, guess what? Or maybe they're just gonna be, like, so in need of fighters. Right. Like, that they'll forgive them and be like, alright, but now you gotta fight for real this time. Right. In the front lines, where the Dothraki should have been. <laughs> right. Uh, rest in peace, the Horde. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, we're we're about to be at an hour and forty five. Yeah. So I think that we probably was, probably set. Yeah, it up I was I was debating uh, titles. I was like, should we call this one the long pod or? I'm saying, the pod that like, that's promised. probably what's going to be. But, oh, but we got a. So yeah, uh, this is this is us starting to say goodbye. Uh, and Anthony's going to plug some stuff, but I also think that he has a shout out. Yeah, I do. Hi, Ricarda, because she told us that we should do this thing where we ask you for your thoughts because we're yes. very selfish people and we didn't think that we should hear from other people. Um, uh, to be fair, we had a nice conversation about this before the podcast about how we didn't think we had enough listeners yes, to and, even ask this question. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we have fans in Germany now. So thank you, Ricarda. Next time we chat, I will probably be... It'll probably be on Facebook, but... When I come to Berlin, it will be fun, <laughs> and we can podcast there. Awesome. Yes. You want to plug anything? Um. Yeah, buy my art. I'm at Dip Draw Stuff on Instagram. I'm very poor. How about for <laughs> you, Frankie? Where can we find you and your writing? Uh, well, you got some writing stuff on Medium. You can look for Frankie Aguilar on Medium. Uh, I also like to put the links in the description now. I'm going to start trying to... Well, that's a good um, idea. We should probably yeah. do that. Yes, gonna start trying to um, redefine the way that I want to get this stuff to you guys. So, uh, as I guess we're asking people uh, for their questions, concerns, thoughts, uh, might as well say go ahead and uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And that's where this link is probably gonna take you. So, if you yes. want to just go ahead and do that, that would be super if cool. If you review, that means more people can hear us. Yes, which is and that would be that would if be. you want to wish bad things on your enemies, you should leave us a review. Right there, you go. Um, and just on Twitter at uh, Geekstrom uh, with S T R U M at the end, and uh, also Frank Zor, uh, Frank X O R. That's my personal Twitter. And uh, yeah, so we'll see you again or listen to you. Well, I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. We'll talk at you through your ears again next week. Yes, when we finally see Euron Greyjoy propose to Cersei Lannister. <laughs> He's going to get on his knees and ask what her. What we've all been waiting for. And she's probably not going to kill him because we need him around for whatever That's reason. Right. <laughs> we need someone to hate. And boy, we do. Oh my god. Uh, bye. Bye.